Welcome to The Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hialeah Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the jockey club. Welcome back to the Jockey Club. We are up to episode eight, which means we are doing the eighth scene of Let It Ride. Now, this is the scene right after the first race, which ends with a photo finish. Now, Trotter is waiting endlessly, or seemingly endlessly, for the results. Back with me to discuss this scene is Eric Delgado, my former radio co-host, gambler, and the person I saw Let It Ride with all the way back in 1989. And if you're playing along at home, this is going to be from minute 2350 to 2525. And now let's head on over to my usual table at the Jockey Club, where we're going to discuss gambling, photo finishes, and who's potentially Looney's brother. All right, so let's start this out. We're talking about the eighth scene. This is right after that first race ends. And so Trotter is... Basically, we're all waiting for the photo finish. Yes. The proverbial photo finish. Oh, my gosh. Which just seems like an anguish. You know, the way that that race ends, where they really do an excellent job of where you cannot tell... Which yeah. horse wins that race? No. It's just a collection of horses going past. Who knows who won? I, and I have a feeling that maybe for some people, this is their first time experiencing what a photo finish is like, where the photo is taken right at the finish line, and then you have to wait for them to develop that photo. And I do often wonder, is this a Polaroid? Is someone inside standing there with a Polaroid, and they're just shaking it, waiting for it to develop to find out if Charity won or not. Right. Well, I can tell you, again, from some experience, a couple things about this. First of all, the shot, Mm -hmm. like you said, that we get is they absolutely deny you from having any idea of how this race ended. There's no... It's very intentionally done. And it is definitely better for the movie. But I can tell you this. Every race is a photo. Every race has a photo taken. And and that's for all kinds of reasons. Obviously, when it's close, right, to examine exactly who won. But sometimes it's taken not for first and second. Sometimes it's for second and third. Sometimes it's to see if there's any um, abnormality. So And there could be a photo... They could throw that photo up there like that, even if it's clear that the other horse won because they're looking at something else. So this experience for an actual better is way more common than it should be. You know, then uh, you might think if you just show up there, like you might think, oh, it's just when it's neck and neck. A lot of the time, you know, your horse won 
but it doesn't throw it up there until they've looked at that photo for some reason. So in this case, it's yes. because it's neck and neck. But again, I'll tell you this much. It's so rare that this is a great thing about like the atmosphere of the track, right? You don't really get that in this situation because they're giving you a little more. They've got a different narrative. But what would really most likely happen is all the people that are around, you're going to get, mm-hmm. if you've got 72 people standing there, you're going to get 72 opinions right away about what happened. And you're going to get a majority right away. So it's going to be, oh, it's the four horse. Oh, it's the four horse all the way. All the way, that was the four horse. No, it was the, I think it was, now it was the four. Believe me, it was the four. So, because you, they're standing right on the rail. They see it with their sure. with their own eyes. And so, mm-hmm. as a better, Jay most likely, even though he's got the anxiety, he most likely has a feeling at least, you know, like, I mean, it's so rare that it's absolutely a dead heat, is what I'm saying. So, what? in this case, again, he- they blur it. Right. Yes. So you don't see it. So you have we have no idea. Right. And then you have Jay's yes. reaction. So you have to assume this one was a dead heat. But again, experience generally tells you if you've seen enough races, you've got some feeling. Oh, I don't think so. Or I he was ahead, you know, yeah. it's very rare. Well, here it seems like nobody knows. Exactly. Jay does not know. Looney does not seem to know. Tony Longo does not seem to know. Everyone is just like, oh, well, I guess we got to wait. That's just how it is. Yeah, and if you wanted to give... Okay, again, if the if the narrative wasn't so much about Jay's magical day and you really wanted to give more of a mm, California split sort of vibe, which is just the general gambling experience, you'd get what I right. was saying. You'd get the 62 different people throwing out opinions right then and there, arguing with each other. Oh, what do you know? It's the four, you know? That stuff. But for some reason, you know, I shouldn't say for some reason, but in here, we get nothing. So we just get the anxiety. And then it goes yes. on, like you said, for good Lord. It goes on long enough for, for, for Looney to go get him a beer. Goes and brings back and have some nice beer. One of my, I love that line because it's not just beer, it's nice beer. It's adorable, have right? Some right. Nice beer, I've never Tom. heard of nice beer. I haven't either, but you know what? It's going to cheer you up. It's going to make you feel better. And I always find this little moment to be so interesting because Looney, who has been anti-Trotter winning, right? Now there's the possibility that Trotter has lost. Oh, I know what to do. See, he's a loser like me. Let me console him. Here is some nice beer. This little moment, it's it's different for Looney for just this time where he's back on Trotter's side. And it's it's not going to last. It's just going to be till the end of the photo. It's just going to be <laughs> until they announce that winner. And all of a sudden, Trotter has elevated above him and Looney is annoyed again and is now working against his friend, at least till the end of the movie. So I always find the have some nice beer moment, which it's very polite. It's, I don't know. It's just, it it tells you a lot about the characters. You're 100% correct because, right, it's like, welcome back to Loserville. And so Looney has the correct, like, social graces for that experience. The other one where you're, like you said, where you're outclassing him for some reason because you're not trying to be a loser. That's when you get, right, irascible Looney. And so, right, who nobody gives a beer better than Looney in this moment. This is this is the sweetest beer gift of I've ever seen. And so he couldn't be happier. 
And who knows if he even realizes it. You know, like, like this is getting too psychological. Like, does Looney even realize what's going on with himself? You know, because he might think he's the sweetest guy all day long. Unless, you know, like you say, he's Jay's getting ahead. In which case, he becomes the villain. All right, so when the winner is finally announced, and this also is another thing that I love, because at the beginning of this scene, it is not just Trotter. And it is, you know what, I kind of forgot... I left somebody out in the waiting because it's Trotter from what we see. We see Trotter, we see Looney, we see Tony Longo, but we also see the guy who owns the horse. I don't even know if that guy has a name yet. I should probably look up and find out what his name is. But the guy who owns the horse is also seemingly anguished about this. The guy that we heard the tip from who doesn't know these other characters. But when they flash the winner... We know that that horse won because we do a quick cut to that guy, like, pumping his fist in the air. And then we go right back to the Trotter-Looney situation. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, exactly. And, and right, you have to imagine that from his point of view, even though he's not the main character, it's so much more anxiety-filled because he must... He's got everything riding on this. So... If he loses, I mean, Jay's going to lose 50 bucks and Jay's going to yep. lose the possibility of a, of a nice score. But this guy is going to lose easily thousands and thousands of dollars. You know that. Sure. We have no idea how much. But this brings me back to what I said earlier about a little bit of an education. Something that I think we haven't talked about, I haven't heard talked about, is the way this tip of a lifetime this sure thing has come together and how it exactly would qualify itself as a sure thing mm-hmm. this okay. horse the way they've handled this horse is they knew that this horse was quality right and so the way the track works is there are you know whatever there are 10 12 15 races and the races are going to vary in quality of horses if you look at your program, it'll say things like $25,000 purse, you know, something like that. Some of them will be named something special, like a particular race. It's called the John Jay Stakes uh, Horse Race, you know, whatever. And nobody really pays attention to any of that stuff, right? You're just looking like, okay, here's another 12 horses. But depending on the quality of your horse, you're going to enter your horse into certain races because you want it to be competitive. And so... You'll try it out generally if it's if it's new and you think it's competitive. You'll you'll try it maybe in the middle level races, and if it doesn't do well, you drop it down, and now it'll go to like the lower purses. And if it does better, then you're gonna raise it up, and you're gonna go for higher purses. And a, a way to manipulate it would be to determine that the horse is good, you know, and that the horse is a higher race, higher stakes horse, but. Instead of putting it in those races, you will put it in the lower purse races, and then you'll have the jockey on that horse manipulate the horse to slow it down. And so in the lower quality races, that horse is not coming in the money. And so then the the handicappers get involved, and they'll see that. And they'll go, oh, this horse isn't that good. Oh, okay, look at this. He can't even beat this field. Okay. And that's when you eventually you've done that enough to where you enter it in a race and you get the opinion of not in this lifetime. 
because now <laughs> in this situation, it looks like, because this will happen. People will say, you know what? All of a sudden, we had a really good week with this horse, so we're going to go for a higher purse. And people will go, yeah, good luck. Give me a break. We've seen your horse. Okay? So that's what they did here. They manipulated it to where nobody thought it was running any good, and then they put it in there like a little bit of a shot in the dark, and mm-hmm. then, of course, that that would get it a bad reputation, and then the odds go through the roof. You bet heavy, and then you turn the jockey loose in the horse. So it's not a sure thing, but the fact is that if it does perform well enough, then you're going to score huge because the odds are going to be tremendous. So mm-hmm. it's about as close as you can get to a sure thing other than the fact that like the other jockeys would be in on it and say, like, yep, we're going to hold our horses back, which, of course, is conspiracy. That's crazy. That would be really that's hard a lot. to pull off. Yeah, so, that's kind of a lot. Right. So in this case, when Jay, being an experienced better, he hears the exact story, which is that you're telling me that they held this horse charity back for three races. Okay. Yep. That's the part where the jockey is not letting this horse go as fast as it can for three yep. straight races. And so, again, it's as good as you can get, as good as you can ask for, but it's definitely not a guarantee. So the trainer there, or the owner, is sweating it out because he was hoping, of course, to blow it away, but then it came down to a finish. You know, so he's gambled everything, and so the stakes couldn't be higher for him. And again, in this fantasy world, instead of betting any kind of the uh, what they call exotics, he's only betting to win. And so this, I also believe, is to simplify the stakes for the mainstream viewer. Because the truth is, and I heard your, um, what was the last guy you had on? Richard Linehan. Yes. So obviously a very knowledgeable better. He was talking oh, yeah. in exotics. He was talking a lot of the different types of bets and mm-hmm. the, the different ways they can pay. And so I would say this too. This is for this movie. Everybody involved is only interested in whether the horse wins. There's not even, you know, we're not even talking about place bets. We're not talking no. about hedging a bet in any which no, way. Not at all. But not at all. Win or nothing. Yeah. So if you're an experienced better. You're not doing that, okay? If you're putting $5,000 on the horse, if that's everything you've got, you're not putting all 5000 on it to win. You might put 4000 on it straight up to win, but as you probably remember from our days, the way to make the real money is to bet on things like the trifecta and the exacta, mm-hmm. right? Which in the highlight terms was the perfecta, if you remember. And so... Oh, wait, wait. Perfecta is only a highlight thing? It is not a, a horse racing thing as well? Correct. Right. Oh, I did not realize it's, that. Okay. It's the exact... Okay, in the, in the horse racing, it's the exacta. And then in, in, it's the same thing, right? Perfect, perfect, exact. So... Um, sure. In which, what the way that bet works is you bet the horse to come in first, and you bet the horse to come in second, and they have to come in that order. However you can do something where you can bet them both directions. It's a little more expensive. But the thing is, it's a longer payoff. It's a bigger payoff because the the shot is longer. So, like, especially with a horse like Charity, which went off at, what, 14 to 1? It paid 28.40. Well, yeah, it comes, yeah, it pays at 28.40. Right, so I think it went off at, like, 13 to 1. So... 13 to 1 is, you know, if, if the odds of it winning are 13 to 1, then the odds of it coming in with an exacta, your exacta bet, might be like 40 to 1. You know, like, 
it's it, it goes up exponentially. And if you bet something like a two dollar bet on the win is twenty eight forty. You won twenty eight forty on two, right? If you bet an exacta for two dollars in that same race with that horse with any any of the other horses, it's gonna pay maybe one hundred and fifty dollars for two dollars. So just think about it. Twenty eight dollars versus one hundred and fifty for uh-huh. the same kind of bet, right? Yes. yes now obviously yes. you have to pick the second place finisher, right? So you have yeah. to get you have to get a little cute with it. So your two dollar bet, you're gonna have to bet the field just to be yes, sure. You will have, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So now instead though, you're still gonna it's gonna pay one hundred and fifty dollars, right? So maybe you're betting ten dollars, right, to win one hundred and fifty. Okay. So that's paying okay. fifteen times the bet, right? And the other one is paying 13 times the bet, right? So now you get a little cute and you want to drop a couple of horses out of it. They're not going to come in. You know, the, the only one, the only long shot that's going to pay is ours, right? So you're going to put it in with the other ones. You might be able to eliminate oh, it, get it okay. down to a lesser amount. Anyway, the uh-huh. point is that experienced bettors are going to find ways to extrapolate this even further and make it way, way, way more money. But... For the fans here, for the mainstream, they just go with the win. Horse wins. That's how you bet horses, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, that's it's, it. Uh, and, and you bet and it to nice. win. It's, it's very simple. If they tried to do it, I think they would lose so many people. It's like I remember when I saw Rounders for the first time. Okay. I, did, I didn't know how to play Hold'em, and all I, right, and unless you were a Hold'em player, you didn't know how to play Hold'em. Until you saw rounders. I exactly. Think, exactly. I think that's what right. happened, right? Yes. And in that situation, what I remember is, is that I had to wait for the like cues from the players to kind of know if this was good or bad. I had an idea. Wait, but they do explain how it works. They explain. In the movie. Yep. But it, it, it was it hard? Like, I don't remember anymore if I retained that immediately because it is kind of hard to retain that information. Like, he explains it to you and they put it all on the table and it looks really good. And if I watch it now, but of course, now I know how to do it. But if I watch it now, I'll be like, yep, that's a perfect explanation of how that works. But oh, yeah. I don't remember if I thought that, you know, over 20 years ago, whenever that movie first came out, 98, 99. Well, for drama's sake, in the first hand that they show, this is the thing. It's They lean more toward the drama and less toward the explanation. So what happens is, what's it? Malkovich has pocket aces, right? Mm-hmm. And Matt Damon has ace nine of clubs. And so we don't know that Malkovich has aces. We just know that he has ace nine of clubs. And so the board comes ace nine nine. And so... He's got a full house. Yep. And then a couple of clubs come off. And so it looks like Malkovich was chasing a flush. Okay. Yep. And so Damon thinks that he's trapping him with his full house. He thinks he's trapping him. But meanwhile, it's reversed. Yes. He's re-trapping him, right? So the thing is, at the end... We don't know either one of these things until he shows the aces. But what Matt Damon, when he goes all in and Malkovich calls, he says, I don't even need to see the cards to know what he has. And I'm like, well, what does he have? You know, because I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, you, you said he had a flush, right? And you have a full house. So what does he have? Like, it doesn't register in my head what he could have that could be better. Sure. Which is, 
aces full of nines instead of nines full of aces. It's the sickest beat, really. It's awful to have that it's situation. Pretty it's, it's pretty god-awful. Yes, it is. But again, it's one of those situations where I still don't know. Like, you know, I, I still didn't know because I didn't know how to play mm. that that was a possibility. I thought what you said was going to, I was all with you. And I think they knew that. And so I was like, yep, this drama is really going to hit hard when you see that, oh my gosh, he's beat, you know? But if you're an experienced poker player, you could be oh sitting boy. there and go, oh, wait a minute, does he have aces? You know, like before it happens, right? You could be right. Oh, yeah, yeah. You you would probably be figuring it out. You, you would be just like Matt Damon is where, you know, he would know, oh, I'm dead. Here's how I'm dead. Sure. Yeah, and so that's like a really limited viewer. So I, I should say a small amount of the viewer, just like in the uh, in, in Let It Ride, if they were to be more even more realistic, you would lose. Like I said, in that situation, I was lucky to go. Oh, okay, thank you for showing me. Now I'm back in it. I get the drive. That's horrible. And now we have to drive a bread truck. But in this case, even though um, you know it's it's the same thing. I, I kind of am thinking a guy like him is going to. At least hedges bet a little bit, right? Mm. What about betting to play? Now, nah, in this one, no. $50 is all he's got, you know? Oh, no, he's got the one play. All he's got is 50 bucks. It's going to be to win. It's, it's win or, or, or nothing for Jay. I mean, there's, there's just no way around that. And I think even if he has more money, it's win or nothing. I think it's all going to win. I mean, depending on how much he has. Like, I'm thinking if he has 200 bucks, it's all going to a win ticket. Right. Now, if you're the owner, right, I'm still thinking he's betting probably 80% of his money on the fact that the horse will win. And you mm-hmm. bet, you hedge, right? Because if you bet place, what will probably happen is you'll get your money back. The place money will give you the three, 4,000 that you bet and didn't win with. That's called hedging. That's why they do it. Because just in case my big bet doesn't come in, I didn't lose. Kind of like Looney. I won't lose too bad. Well, you know, he does bring in the other guy right. to all, bet along with him. Yes. Right? So who yes, knows his backer. What, exactly. Who knows what that other bet is? Who knows? Or, or maybe they, they pulled it and did it one big bet. Probably not. They probably went ahead and split that up and made a bunch of little bets. Yeah, uh, and they're not going to get so that You want to avoid the suspicion, I would think. Yes. Although, you know what? At some point, though, the odds on charity go down from 40 to 1. Yeah, and and Trotter sees it and immediately is like, "Oh, they made the bet. Let's now I'll make my bet." So that does happen. So I, maybe it is just one big, maybe just for the, the the purposes of the story, maybe it's just one big giant bet that they had some other guy, you know, he, maybe the guy he brought in came in and went and did the bet for him. At least the majority. So it could still be that, and that definitely makes sense, and that does indicate. Right, to go from 40 to 1 to 13 to 1 with a, with a crowd that big, they bet, you know, who knows? They might have bet $50,000. Those, those races, they, they get tens of thousands of dollars bet. So there's well, every reason at, to believe it was that much. 40, that's, that's, all, that's a big win at 28.40. Exactly, right. 14 times your bet, whatever it is, yeah. right? You bet 50 grand and you win 700,000. So all right. that's a good so, bet. The first thing that I want to say when when this horse wins, right, and it is Trotter's first win of the day, is that official? That Looney's reaction always gets me because he is just like, I can't believe I didn't bet that. 
This is the only time I think that we're going to get that out of him because later on, it's just resentment and it's I did the right thing, which is to not bet on a sure thing. You know, that's coming up later in the movie. This bananas thought process. But in this moment here, he just realizes how stupid he's been. How did I not bet this? Right. I agree. It almost seems out of character. And I've I've said it myself, just like you, how how weird it is that all of a sudden he cares. But yeah. I started thinking, again, you're getting really psychological, but maybe, you know, he's kind of self-loathing. And so when you're someone like that, yep, you immediately want to bash yourself. And so whether or not he ever wanted to bet, because he shows no, at any point, any inclination of wanting to bet this. So... For him to now say, why didn't I bet? It's not like he was on the fence. He, he was never on the fence. He was never going to bet it. He was never going to bet it. He, was, he wasn't even going to think about it. it was, he was going to move on. If it wasn't for Trotter, he would not even be thinking about it. Yeah, because I'm going to do the right thing, which is not to bet on a sure thing. <laughs> which is to not bet on a sure thing, which makes zero sense, unless you're somebody like this. Right. Right. And, so but, that, that's right, so, why that so, leads me to think that in that moment, yeah. that it must be some sort of self-loathing kind of mechanism, you know, to now, oh, great, now again, you're an idiot again, you know, <laughs> even though he right, was so, so sure of himself. So, so he goes from, he goes from this, from, I can't believe I didn't bet that, and immediately shifts to, I'd hate to have to walk around this joint with $700 cash. Like, this is some major worry I for know. Trotter, who has just it's won so- $710. <laughs> but <laughs> like, he's like, oh, no, you're right. I do have to now walk around this money. I'm terrified. My day is ruined. Like, I don't even understand. I do get that he's trying to bring Trotter down. But this sort of revelation isn't the way to do it. This is not going to be a problem. Yeah, I'll take that risk. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's from like the mind of a child. It really is. It really is. It's very childish. He's run out of. And you know, it, honestly, if I'm Looney's, if if I'm Jay here, I probably want to punch him right in the mouth for saying it because you just alerted everybody at the. All of your faux concern is now real thanks to you. You know, like well, anything about like somebody trying to bop you over the head. Well, instead of that, though, what. What Trotter does is he just freaks out like he is. This is Dreyfus unleashed in this moment. He is absolutely going bananas with the you're the unluckiest person in the world. Seven hundred and ten. I don't. Who do you like in the second? And then he tells him and then uh, like how he emphasize, he scratches it off. Who do you like in the second? Looney actually answers this question and then scratches it off. No, because you know what? You really are the unluckiest person in the world. And then, of course, it. I love you. Got a brother? I figure it's in the blood. Like it's it, it's <laughs> it's a lot of daggers coming back out. Yeah, and and uh, all in a row. Looney. Like yes, it's like he's been waiting to unleash on him. Yes, and he even points out it's seven hundred and ten. 710 yes <laughs> i know it's fantastic you know he goes from like yeah he's smacking him around you had it you had it it's like i started thinking about like he has these like gonzo moments yeah that's yeah. that's the best thing i could come up with because he does it earlier 
where he says, do you know, do, do I, do you really think he can win? Do I really think it? Well, let's examine it. He starts going yep. down the things and then he That's does the his first thing. one. Yes. I think charity can win. You know? Yep. And it's like a cartoon. Yes. All of a sudden it, this other, this other version comes out and then exactly. And it's full on here. Like there is just a glimpse, but here he's just losing his mind on Looney. And also we, we do get this revelation that uh, somewhere in Cleveland, is Looney's brother. We find that out. It's right. It's completely irrelevant, <laughs> but you do like the idea of Looney's brother like sitting there and then maybe answering the phone and then, <laughs> hey, I'm at the track. I'm at Hialeah. Who do you like? Absolutely. Listen, I've, I've thought of that because I've seen it so many times. I've thought of it so many different times when he said this because it's like, yep, like you said, I can picture the exact moment. He's sitting there in his chair. It's, you know, dark. He... he he flicks on the lamp, you know, right by the, you know, he's got the little like table, uh, phone table. Yes. yes. He picks up in, in Cleveland, right? He's like, hello. Yeah. He says, <laughs> he's, hey, I got, uh, I got some information on a, a sure thing. Well, you know, us loonies, we never <laughs> bet a sure thing. I, all right. First of all, I like how you've now made Looney his last name instead of just a specific nickname to, to him. <laughs> I know. Right? It's the yeah, Looney. No, no. We're from it's the, the Looney brothers. The yeah. So, like, if they appear on Family Feud, then there's five of them there, and behind them, it would say the Loonies. Right? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. They all and come the out Loonies. of the, the fake right. portrait clapping. Yes. The Loonies. It, it's Jacko, uh, Mario, Dumbo, <laughs> Flippo. Yep. So. uh yeah, I love that so, moment, right? Because it, it, it probably is in the blood. You know, it's such a great line by Jay. All right, so who's playing Looney's brother in your mind? Who's playing? <laughs> okay, okay. So I got a guy. Oh, you got a guy? I got a guy. Maybe oh, okay. Go give me. Okay, I, give me. Your I don't guy. want to steal your thunder because maybe we got the same guy. Oh wow, that'd be okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go first. Oh, I, I go first? I go first? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You go first. All right. You get so it. my guy yes. is Paul Coslo. <laughs> Paul Coslo. All right. I have to actually look up. Okay. No, no, Paul no. Don't look it up. I'm going to give it. No, I'm going to give it to you. You're going to know immediately. Okay. Hog Wild. Oh. <laughs> he's the one that wears the suit. Uh, he's. I'm sorry. Which guy? Is he's he? the one that. Where, he's the one that breaks his arm trying to wear the suit. <gasps> oh, I know who that guy is. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep, sure. Yep. And Mr. Majestic. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I know who this guy is. Okay. Okay. So obviously that's not your guy, but my guy is right. He's a. He's a character actor that has played a lot of different guys, but most of the time he plays like. A stoolie, you know, he plays like a henchman, and he's usually, you know, the guy that you don't expect to like get involved and foul it up. So that's that's right, his well, general character. Oh, and I just want to clarify that when Eric says "hog wild," he's referring to a particular episode of the Greatest American Hero. And I would say that if that show was on in syndication and you hadn't watched it in a while and you turned it on, the odds of it being that episode were probably three to one. <laughs> that that right. episode seemed to be always playing. I don't know if it was just some weird coincidence. Wow. I know I've seen that one, I think, more than any other. It's probably the most wonderful episode of the show. <laughs> it, 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 it really is. They, they cover so many wonderful things. But yeah, they look similar enough. But, you know, uh, it's mainly the, the personality I was thinking. 
So, oh, no, um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, mine's completely off board, by the oh, way. Oh, go ahead. All right, not even, not even an actor. Oh. Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, my gosh. Steven Tyler. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, look, you got the. Oof, man. Well, tell me those two don't look like they could be related. Oh, man. In all the right? worst you, ways. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You put them, you put Steven Tyler in like some, some funky clothes, like different funky clothes. Right. And I think you got another loony. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except for uh, when he answered the phone, it's like, yeah! <laughs> It's probably going in a little bit of a different direction, right? But nonetheless, you you get the idea. It, okay, so so your guy now your guy. I don't know if I can't hard imagine Steven Tyler like telling him not to go for it. Oh well, you gotta imagine. Well, no, what he's going to do in this situation is recommend a horse. Who does your brother like in the in the second race? <laughs> right, so he'll right. read off the names, and then he would say, "Hey, you know what? Didn't you have a cat named Junebug? Right, you bet on that nope. one. You're right? on something You're like on. that. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, too bad they didn't have. <laughs> they didn't think of that. That would have been nice. You see, Looney sneak off to a payphone. Hey, uh, I just want to know what you think. Yeah, that would be really funny. <laughs> I, uh, all right, so the, this scene, which we're already at the end of the scene after Trotter flips out on him and says all these terrible things and musses his hair and then runs off, like just runs, exits the scene by running. Uh, <laughs> says, you don't have to get personal, Yeah, which I think is hysterical. Hysterically funny. This little scene is really, really funny. I think this scene is hysterically funny. It it might be the funny. No, no, I don't know if it's the funniest so far. No, the cheeseburger is probably the funniest. Oh but, my god! Um, yeah, yeah, yes. But yeah, you're right. They get so much out of every little sequence. Yes, yes. You know what? I have to say. Okay, I just discovered this. Um, and this is good news, I think, for both of us and, and everybody involved in loving Let It Ride. But do you know what the current IMDb score is for, for Let It Ride? Oh, I'm, all right. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to guess it's um, 6.4. Wow. Okay. You guessed it exactly. Oh, nice. You guessed it exactly. That's fantastic. I was, I was pretty positive that it was in the sixes. So Way to I mean, go. I've seen it before. Okay, uh, sure, but not in a while. That shows me how long it's been since I've looked at it because I remember a time when it was something like four point six. Ah, see that? So the reputation is growing, is what you're telling me, without a doubt. And and you know, just like a you know, there's a lot of these. You know, 80s movies, you know, that are 30, 40 years old that are getting like mm -hmm. a new yeah. life because they're getting a new audience and people are realizing yes, they got yes. it wrong. We know this story. But this movie, as you know, for the longest time, my feeling, and I'm sure it was yours too, was like, I know nobody likes it, but we don't care. You know, yes. that, that was like what we had to say. Like, I know, and it doesn't change anything for us. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. So that tells me that we were in a time when it was understood. I mean, I bet you right now I go look it up on like my Roku. If you do like a search and they give you like some, who knows where they get their opinion. If you ever search anything, they yeah. do the four star format. Have you ever seen yeah. that? Yes. 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 So I guarantee you, even on their still, it says one star. Ooh, you think it's one? 
You don't think it's two? Damn. I okay. I'll say this much: in the last ten years since Lo- yeah. Loku's been out, I've seen yeah. it at a one. So I don't Ouch. know when the last time is that I saw. It. Are they getting the same star system that I used to see in the TV guide? It's in, the same uh, one in the, the local TV guide when I would look up movies in the eighties and the early nineties. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because so many of the movies that I really loved were like two star movies. Were generally two star movies. Yes. And everything was riding on it, too. It was like, you couldn't wait to see what they thought of that movie. And if it said two and a half or three, you were, like, celebrating. Oh, yeah. Three stars was always like, oh, this is really good. Okay. No, it's it's accepted. It's not just me this time. This is a consensus. Yeah. Like, that was... I don't know where the local TV guides got their stars from. It was as... Was there a Rotten Tomatoes that they were tapping into that the general public didn't know? Because I always got the impression, all right, the TV guide listing is some sort of consensus opinion of what people who know, this is what they think. Absolutely. And we were so limited in our ability to get information. This was like... 90% of what we could know was what TV guy was telling you. Yes. This was absolutely validation. And so I agree. This is it's similar. What you got out of Roku, it seems like the same thing, right? They they give no they don't back up anything that they say. They just give you the one, two, three, four. So oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on yeah. you, pal. It's one star. So I'm just saying that yes. when I looked it up and I saw six point four, I said Wow, like at this moment, I honestly didn't realize with the beginning of this podcast that we were at 6.4, which is now is to say, hey, we're talking about a pretty good movie no matter who you are. That's right. Okay, I didn't realize we were living in that world. That's what I'm saying. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't know that I I knew we were living. Or I I mean, I kind of I knew it was in the sixes. I never really thought about it much because, you know. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's still 27% with, exact, uh, a, exactly. with a whopping 11 reviews, by the way. Right. You, because the problem is, right, you'd have to get modern reviewers in there, or you'd, have to, get you have, old there. Rev- you'd have to get new reviews, period. Yes. So that's definitely hurting it, too, right? Because that's, again, when it first came around, and I'll bet you a lot of it was the fact that you know, you couldn't see it. You could only see it one time before you review it. You know, like you weren't exactly getting to stream it and, you know, examine it. The topic was a different, really unique approach to the topic. So I'm thinking there's some stuff going against it that made the reviews easily. You know, it almost feels like, you know, we didn't quite get it, so we didn't like it. You know, yeah, the first I time guess. around. Yeah. Whatever. But now, obviously, with a 6.4... It means, I mean, I'm just saying, I just didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, we're now, we're now in, in a let it ride renaissance is what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, and, right. And we're re- almost like we're, review- we're doing this podcast for good cause now. That's right. That's right. You know what? Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to put out a call to action. If you're listening and you've not gone to the IMDB and rated let it ride as a seven or higher, then you need to be doing that. Wow. Is that, is that what you're saying? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that's right. We're going to take this thing to a seven. Let's get this to a seven, people. Because yeah, I don't know I like about it. you, but mm-hmm. for me, seven is that number. That's the magical number for a movie for me. Like, if it's if it's six, I'm like, okay, okay, all right. But if it's seven, it's like, no, no, that's officially good. It's officially good. Yeah. You can't fuck around with a seven on IMDb. That's right. That's right, damn it. I remember even like 
this I guess it's going back, but when they, you know, maybe it was when they did their top 500. I remember you you could I'm sure they still do that where you could look up their top 500 movies. Oh, sure, of course. In your top 500, you had sevens. That's how old we are, though. But yeah, yeah, it's probably I don't, not I don't anymore. Think that exists right? No, no, anymore. I know you're going back a ways. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, that's how a seven gets to be like a legit number. Is that? Yeah. Oh, it's the top two fifty. I think. I think it's oh, right. You're right. It is the top two fifty. So top I'm saying, right, two fifty. There yeah. were sevens in there. Yeah. So if we can get it to a seven, you know, then we we could retire. We could. Yes, that's the new goal of the podcast. Right. Examine the movie one scene at a time and increase the imdb rating it's good to have goals you're right like look accomplished a lot here that tonight. should go on your uh your, your little information my little information all right you know when that's you give out information that's what i do but my entire podcast career is basically just giving out a little information that's, just a little bit right don't hit them over the head with it but seven and up Seven and up. Okay, is is that that is that the slogan we're going with? Is I don't know. I don't slogan? know. I mean, obviously, you could let it ride to seven. Ah, okay, that sounds pretty good. All okay. right, we can workshop it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado, and a big thank you to my guest, Eric Delgado. No nepotism there at all, I promise. Our theme music is from Epidemic Sound, and our cover art is by Sean Labrie. If you enjoyed this episode, and yes, I would really like to think that you did, then you can help the show out by buying me a coffee. Yes, that's a thing, and there's a link to it in the show notes on how to do it. If you're saving up your pennies to bet on the four horse, or you've got a tip that's hot to trot, I understand but you could still support the show by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening to this. Maybe you're on Good Pods. Maybe you're a pod chaser person. I don't know, but look around. Is there a review section? Then just find one. And if, if there's not, just, you know, maybe tell a friend about the show. That works as well. You can contact me through email. It's dan at moviemaker.com. I'm on Twitter at underscore Dan underscore Delgado, or even better, I'm on the Repod app, which is a great way to not only listen to podcasts, but to interact with podcast hosts like me. Find it in your app store. Come on by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for The Jockey Club. And remember, sometimes you could be walking around lucky and not know it. <laughs>